Well, it's the morning after the night before, and having recorded joyous podcast after joyous podcast since uh, lockdown ended, well, I don't know. It hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. Southampton's equaliser, uh, but I think I'm going to find uh, we're going to find some some kind of pretty glorious stuff to talk about in among the in among the pain of all last night. But of course, we've got to start with I suppose. The, the hammer blow. I mean, we literally every United fan walking the earth knew that was coming, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen the Russian professional slapping? <laughs> it's, it's absolutely amazing. So um, you can find it on YouTube. So two guys stand there, a little table between them, crowd watching, and they take turns to slap each other in the face. Not It can't be a closed fist. It has to be an open, open palm and they go slap. Anyway, you know... You can see them. You can see it in their eyes. They know the pain is coming because there's a big wind-up. Some big Russian dude's winding it up. He's going to slap as hard as he can. Anyway, that's what it was last night. It was coming. We knew it was coming. That goal was coming. For the last 15 minutes of that game, you're just like, it's coming. And and the thing that made it, you know, not some 10-stone dude slapping you, but some 25-stone dude slapping you was that it came in the 95th minute. Yeah, because because we knew it was coming, we knew it was coming, and it hadn't come yet. I mean, I have to say that the one sort of hope that I retained throughout that period was that we would score, and it would be three one, and that would end the game. But it seemed very unlikely that it would be the final whistle that would save us. But we got to the point where it now seemed likely that the final whistle would save us before it didn't. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, got... in the, the last fifteen minutes, it didn't look like we'd score. I mean, we were under so much pressure from Southampton and not even creating anything on the break, to be honest, in that last 15. It was desperate. Anyway, a lot happened before the last 15, of course. But When was that Martial chance when he skinned like the the most extraordinary control and broke through? Was that not late on? Maybe it wasn't uh, There was late. second half, yeah. I can't remember the exact minute, but uh, yes, it was second half. And even though even though maybe we, we didn't create anything... I. I kind of thought that we might at any moment you know that that was possible so let's go all the way back to the beginning of the game and and a real horror show of a start I mean um uh I don't even know if we really gave it the build-up it needed but Southampton's pressing game has obviously been excellent I mean one of the things I would say is that they didn't really do that against City when they played City they they more like defended deep and blocked but here they went back to their plan a which against big teams which is to get right in their face, not allow them any time on the ball. And early on, you said it was they were targeting Matic and Shaw, but nope, they were targeting everyone because possibly the most press-resistant midfielder in the league um, got the ball just easily walked off his toes um, That's right. twice, but once once to disastrous consequence. Um, 80th minute, by the way, Martial's jinking run. So it was, was yeah. deep into, but but I think that was the exception, not the norm during that period. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, you're completely right. I mean, Pogba is normally fantastic in close quarters and you can normally trust him um, to do the right thing, even when pressed. And it's Matic that really struggles under the press. I mean, in fact, Matic did. He gave away the ball more often than normal and only uh, his 85% pass completion rate is, is still pretty good isn't it but only 19 of those 19 passes forward Matic so he was under pressure going backwards an awful lot and and Southampton players were running past him and then Pogba yes t- two 
you know, one fatally disastrous and one almost um, caught in possession, which is just unheard of for Pogba. So uh, maybe just wasn't on it. I thought Bruno looked extremely leggy throughout. And, and no surprise, really. I know they've been pulling him off in the 60th minute in some games, but not all. Uh, and he's just had a lot of football, as all of these players have. The fifth match in a row that Pogba picked the same starting eleven, and and Oli, you know, but Oli. Pogba's not picking the starting eleven. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, fifth fifth time in a row starting eleven, and not to be hypercritical because I, I don't want it to sound like that, but we have talked in the past about. Ollie's lack of rotation and its potential for causing injury. And, you know, it was very evident last season. Um, and I just wonder whether it was one game too many. And I understand the thinking. It's the team's playing well. The team's winning. It's a tough game against Southampton. We know what they're going to play like, um, at least in theory. And and let's give them one more because maybe Palace with nothing to play for on Thursday is easier. Uh, the problem is now that Palace game is absolute must win and, and he won't be able to rotate in the way that he might have wanted to. Yeah, I, I wonder about, I mean, I, I just straight up uh, wouldn't have started, wouldn't have wanted to see Matic starting in this game anyway because he has actually already looked a little leggy and is vulnerable to the press. So that's a, a really bad combination. And, and I did think that McTominay might well come in but yeah, the, the lack of rotation is is pretty extreme. I like I agree with you. I don't think it's a cause for being particularly hypercritical in these circumstances. Because in some ways, games have been had like lower energy periods than they normally would. There are the two drinks breaks in the half, and so the load is not quite what it normally would be. But of course, and the, and there's there's been a lot of subs made, so that load has been sort of spread a little bit within within games um but but I thought they looked very leggy I mean I, I don't know if Bruno looked leggy necessarily he looked terrible like he had an absolute terrible game and I thought even though Pogba made a more egregious error I thought it was um unless this was about sports science and load and red zone and all these things I, I thought bringing Pogba off the pitch you know a good few minutes before he brought Bruno off was was probably the wrong way round because it felt to me like Pogba was the more likely to make something happen. So we concede the goal um, and then just looked like, oh, you've scored and that's really annoyed us. And there was a period of, I'm going to use the word again, Ed, absolutely scintillating attacking play from United. <laughs> the, the first goal, um, the build-up to that first goal was pure, like, 2020 summer 2020 Ole ball like we had Juan Bissaka doing bits to kind of keep the ball and use it so well he he found Bruno in in like Bruno was almost in a little tiny bit of space and could have um I was talking to Greg Johnson from Football London and you know he was saying like how many players in that spot would have just um would have just head down whipped the ball in but Bruno got his head up straight away and found Pogba in a better position it's a beautiful ball in from Pogba to Martial and Martial's hold up play for this was this is elite number nine centre forward play in this moment absolutely brilliant in the centre of the box finds Rashford in space and it's a brilliant finish I mean it was a it was a fantastic goal it was yeah I mean United really needed to wake up I don't know what the, whether it was anger or or Pogba has done it again Ollie got the message out to the players on the pitch but that first 
20 minutes, 15 minutes uh, when we couldn't keep the ball and couldn't work it through the press and kept making the same mistakes again and again into central, you know, moving the ball into central midfield where the press happened. It, it was just shocking, honestly. And the players on the pitch couldn't work it out. And Oli either couldn't work it out, didn't do anything. I was, I'm not one for saying managers should be dancing down to the touchline and shouting a lot and that, that, you know, obvious displays of coaching. But in that kind of scenario, when the game could have gone away from United very quickly, Oli just sat there looking confused. I mean, I have to say, I just like, I was like, what? What is going to, is something going to happen here? Anyway, the creative spark was was scoring a goal or the spark was the, scoring a goal. And it, it was, as you say, brilliantly worked. wan and Fernandez getting it to Pogba. And Gary Neville in comms. It was Gary Neville doing the co-comms? Yeah, he called it yeah, hopeful sure ball. was. Hopeful uh, ball. He, I thought it was pinpoint to Martial, exactly he, the right ball. And Martial was brilliant with his back to goal. He was disgusting again Gary Neville um the camera was on Pogba early in the game and the and the commentator was talking about what excellent form that Pogba had been in and you would expect he the commentator was doing the thing where he didn't ask Gary Neville a question but he was leaving space for Neville to interject and the silence was icy it was there was an in my opinion there was an icy silence as as Gary Neville refused to take the opportunity I don't think it was a hopeful ball, ball from Pogba at all I think it was maybe maybe I'm giving him too much credit but it looked to me like he was passing it to Martial's to the one bit of space that Martial had to work the ball I mean if he meant to put it where he did he couldn't have put it in a better place so you know anyway um yes yeah. anyway great number nine play from Martial who's been doing that since we came back from lockdown, you know, uh, perfectly. It's exactly the kind of player we hoped he would become, scoring goals and, and making goals. Um, and he made one for Rashford, who finished well, you know, low with his left foot uh, into the corner. And um, very, very good. United back in it. Because it, it was not looking like either United were going to score a goal or not concede a second. I mean, look... Um, you know, we talk about XG on this show a fair bit and it doesn't always tell a very good story. And in Southampton's case, it doesn't tell a good story because their excellence in, in pressing and in gaining a lot of possession at Old Trafford um, and pushing forward late in the game is not where all the numbers lie. You know, they, they scored two very high XG chances. I mean, the second one's like 0.96. It's basically on the line. You couldn't miss it uh, unless yeah. you're Marcus Rashford. <laughs> we'll come to that one. Uh, uh, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a massive, I had a massive row. I nearly fell out with a friend of mine yesterday because I was so annoyed with the with someone being very critical of uh, Marcus Rashford's because it like that goal. Anyway, let's go. Anyway, anyway, so um, and so so my point being that that doesn't tell really tell the story of where Southampton were good and where United were good because it was two very different performances from the teams. Um, yeah, you know, they just didn't create much, but United were just so one in the game, and they really needed that goal in the what was it twentieth minute to to drag themselves back into the game. And they started moving the ball quicker during this period, sort of middle of the second half onwards, which was exactly what they needed to do in order to beat Southampton's press. It's not like a team that presses is impossible to play against, and in fact, once you get past that first first line with Southampton they're actually really vulnerable and and we just needed to play it around them not through them where Matic and Pogba are in a lot of a lot of trouble and outmanned I, often I think 
I think it was between the two goals um, when there was a moment where uh, we had the ball in central defence. I think Lindelof had the ball and Pogba didn't show for a pass. And that's not a criticism. He did absolutely the right thing to not show for a pass because he was trying to basically say to Lindelof, don't don't try and pass it here. This is like he had clearly twigged by that point. This is not working. We're going to we're going to have to do something different and and Lindelof played a kind of diagonal out to Luke Shaw and something started. Um uh but it was moments later that, that I might have the chronology slightly wrong on that one, but it was moments later Martial scored a of absolute blinder of a goal I mean it was just it was just phenomenal wasn't it it was he it was very similar to the one um when he scored the second of three in some game recently that you know the top corner one uh just in terms of like he got the ball he started moving with it and everyone in the world suddenly thought oh there's something about to happen here you know and uh and it really was and he 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 looked he felt that one because he'd uh he'd missed the chance we didn't even talk about this there was that counter-attacking chance uh early where he was one-on-one with the keeper and the keeper got a hand to it and yeah. you kind of really thought that the form Martial's in he would that was before the goal he would uh, he would have scored that but yeah keeper's not. hand was out already on that one yeah he was he was through and, and Martial placed it in the only position the keeper's hand was actually there static <laughs> yeah, I mean was... giving keeper a lot of credit for making himself big as Peter Schmeichel always used to do he was great in those situations, so yes, we'll do that. But he just literally didn't have to move his hand. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Martial's goal, awesome. That's, that's the best of Martial. That's what we want. I mean, link-up play, great, we talked about, but it's where he gets the ball in front of him and he's running at defenders. He's he's terrifying because he can score off either foot uh, and and it's a surprise now that he doesn't. Um, the, the 80th minute one where he jinked through everyone we talked oh. about earlier, just magical, and I think he's unlike. I think the defender got across, and that's why it's looped over. Um, but uh, that, that would have been a, some goal, wouldn't it? And it, he's got this in his locker. He should be scoring twenty-five to thirty goals every single season from now on because he can yeah. certainly do it. I think he is going to score. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't see any reason. I mean, apart from injury, that's the only thing that's going to stop him uh, or the, this team being broken up into component parts because we don't make the Champions League. Um, at this point, I thought we were going to win the game. I thought we'd go on and get another one. Um, and we definitely did. We did have chances. Again, the the, deep, the the story isn't in the numbers. I mean, United looked very threatening a number of times and, and it just didn't quite come off. The, the big one is that Rashford chance. I mean, he did Absolutely, I thought Rashford had an excellent game in this game. Yeah, I think he was I think Be- best best since we've come back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. and I f- I think he's he's getting back right up there, and I think he's going to be a massive threat for the run in now. I mean, we've been in the run in for a while, but I mean the run in and FA Cup and Europa League and all that. I think Rashford's going to have a big say in all that. Um, but the the he skinned the guy absolute absolutely skinned him in the build-up to that then the one two perfect and brilliant defending from south it's brilliant defending i don't think rashford did anything wrong at all i don't i don't know what he could i mean maybe he could have fernandez style stood on the ball and try and win a try and win a penalty um well i think yeah so i actually think in the they didn't show it very often but in the super slow and and any uh aloku on comms called it out uh pundit Punditry called it out and said uh, she thought it was blocked. I think it comes off the keeper's foot. He's gone with his right foot. The defender's coming across to 
to tackle him. I think it's just clipped the keeper's foot and United didn't get the corner. Um, although it's very um, hard. We, did. It's very... we got the corner. It was a we got, corner we got the corner. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, he so, got, anyway. You know what he could have done? Could have gone with his left foot. And he's gone with the right, and he could have gone with the left, and uh, he'd have had a better chance of scoring. Um, that's the only thing he could have done differently there. Um, you know, still, it's a big chance. Big it all chance. happens. It all happens at pace, and I think it was it was a big chance. But I don't think I definitely don't think Rashford blew that chance. And also, like you know, it's very it's very easy to be critical for the bit they get wrong when like that chance only happened because Marcus Rashford is absolutely brilliant. You know, <laughs> uh, he then megged someone with a through ball to Luke Shaw about two minutes later. He was clearly feeling it. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, Tom, we were talking to Tom in the WhatsApp and, and Tom said, you know, this game kind of shows uh, like that there's still a long way to go and it really does expose Solskjaer's limitations and and I think maybe maybe there's some or I don't even know if yeah I think he said limitations or weaknesses or whatever I think there is some truth to that um but of course I think it's really important to say this game also showcased his what he's getting right because there was a lot of absolutely fantastic creative attacking play in this game and I think you kind of expect between Bruno and Pogba that they're going to play better than that most of the time um but but he didn't seem to react to the fact that the pattern of play in this game clearly fa- favored Southampton i think he maybe over relied on a bit of individual brilliance and and i i mean i didn't hate the sub when fred came on i i did think it was a sh- a mistake maybe to take pogba off i don't i don't know i don't, I don't feel strongly about that or anything and then it you you said it was kind of like quite defensive-minded substitutions that came next. And I don't know, maybe we we kind of needed to shore up a little bit at that point. And if Williams hadn't got the, the knock on the head and had to go off and we played the end of the game with 10 men, um, a few people confused about the substitution situations there because you're supposed to have five subs, but um, the five subs have to come on. You can only do that you can only do it in batches of three so you can only have three instances of substitutions not actually you you can have four if you include half time but um you can only bring them on during the game in three batches so that you don't use it to break up the play artificially um so that's why they couldn't bring the fifth sub on um but yeah i mean i guess you could say that harson hootel got the kind of managerial victory the one thing i would say is uh, Harson Hoot was clearly doing a pretty amazing job at Southampton because if I was them, I would have crumbled in fear at what United were doing to them when they were putting the foot on the accelerator, but they mm. didn't at all. So, so well, yeah, to, to come to your original point, um, I, I think what Oli got wrong was he didn't change t- two parts to it. One, in the early part of the game, he didn't quickly enough. I don't know whether they hadn't done the analysis. It's not bloody hard. You know how Southampton's going to play. Um or he didn't get the instructions across quickly enough, but United didn't deal with Southampton very well in that f- first 15 minutes. And then I think in the last 15 minutes, maybe even 20, he wasn't able to, or the team wasn't able to uh, affect the play. So Southampton were controlling the narrative and the style of game. Uh, and and his substitutions played into that and didn't change it. So going with McTominay and Fred... Um, just pushed United back 15 yards, I think. They they just they weren't pushing forward as much as they once were. They just weren't the players there to do it and it invited Southampton to create a lot of pressure, 
Whereas if we were, and I guess the idea of bringing Dan James on for Mason Greenwood, who didn't really have a very effective game, was to try and stretch play. But United weren't able to get the ball out of um, those deep areas at all. Um, so I, I think that's where Oli kind of didn't mix it up quick enough. Um, and, you know, we talked quite a bit on the last show about what it, what is what is the identity of, of United. And, and it is to be a... Um, a sort of a creative attacking side. Um, I don't think that identity is as strong as, say, Southampton's. You know what they are, right? They are a high-pressing, counter-attacking side. They struggle generally when they've got the ball, right? They prefer not to have the ball. In this, in this game, they had 52% possession, which is more than they would probably probably like to have. You know, So you know what they are and what they look like. United, um, in this one, struggled, struggled to improve posed their style of play on Southampton. I think um, the the chances and the stats don't really tell the story, which is Southampton deserved their draw because they were able to control the narrative of the game, except for brilliant moments from United. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair analysis. That so I wanted to just talk emotionally for a, a, a minute because I, I was oh reflect- I, d- I don't no, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm English, we're repressed. <laughs> I was reflecting on this afterwards and, and just the experience of the sucker punch at the end of the game and and just I saw a lot of anger and, and you know, a few people sent me some angry messages. Not I don't weren't angry with me, they were angry that United had like blown it or whatever. And I it felt very alien to me because not so this is like like very basic, basic opinion, but football went away for months on end and we've all been in this like crazy artificial situation and lockdowns eased a lot in the UK but you know we all had months where we were quarantined in our homes and and we're watching we were watching old football matches to kind of try and provide some people some entertainment and honestly um the fact that United have come back after that and have been a joy to watch even in this game like this game there was there was there was a beautiful shot from Pogba. There was the the one we didn't even talk about where Pogba, like he had his worst half of football since lockdown. And during that half, provided the kind of ball into Martial that led to the goal, um, had the long shot, decent long shot saved, and did that flick to set the ball to Martial in space. Like I mean, he didn't old, even old... talk about his pass to Bruno after about two minutes into the channel. You know, uh, one of his uh, specialities. Yeah, go on. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. And and that I remember thinking that 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 would have set the whole ground on its feet you know that would have been one of those um and and like obviously he made the mistake for the goal as well I'm not not um saying he he was good he it didn't cause a problem but but it was just it was just an absolute joy to watch and and I'm with you and I'm I I really really gutted not not because we didn't win that game but because like just we you and I I think are in a um, no, no United fan wants us to be in the Europa League next season. I think those of us that cover the club and talk about it, there's a there's a kind of a genuinely like one of the main reasons I don't want us to be in the Europa League next season is it's logistically awkward. Yeah. Um, well, funny so. enough, you know, I said this on on uh, Twitter, and a few people came back to me saying, "No, no, actually." Um, I enjoy the Euro aways in the Europa because yeah. it's better than an identikit night 
in the Champions League, which I totally 100% get, but that is the only reason to be in the Europa. The club's standing, the club's finances, the fact that it can move forward, the fact that it can afford to buy the kind of players we want, challenge for titles, progress, our enjoyment of the football on the pitch, the fact that we're going to get a new manager if it doesn't work out for Oli next season, I imagine. All of this, all of mm. it, all of our hopes and dreams are tied with United being in the Champions League. I'm not kidding. I mean, no, you I know, agree. I know, it's just funny. I, I, like I know I talk of... about this a bit, but but United are guiding, they're sort of talking about a hundred to hundred and twenty million pound loss from COVID. Um, that's broadcasting rebate. Um, sponsorship rebates, no fans in the stadium, assuming we have no fans in the stadium until about December, it seems like. Um, I assume there's going to be a partial broadcasting rebate next season as well. So that's a big financial hit. And even United in a better position than most to absorb that. Not being in the Champions League is, you know, 80 million or so loss. If you assume that Champions League quarterfinal place, sponsorship, gates, TV money, all of that is about eighty million pounds. Also, even more if United went further. Um, plus the uh, the new uh, and you can't even quantify this, but there'll be a negotiation on the new principal shirt sponsor, which will be significantly less if United aren't in the Champions League. All of that, you know, bundled together, it might be a two hundred million pound hit if United end up fifth. Yeah, with and COVID. I think that's. That, and that's, that's no Sancho, that that's potentially selling players, that's giving one matter a six-year contract, <laughs> that's bringing Marcus Rojo back. You know, it's all of that. <laughs> that 95th-minute goal had a lot weighing on it. So, yeah, I get all of, I really do get all of that. But even if all that happens, even if we're absolutely rubbish playing turgid football and all that kind of stuff, um, it's... the. the you know, it's it'll be trying to drag some enjoyment out of it. That's going to be what I'm going to be trying to do. But, you know, I was going to say, actually, when you mentioned Europa League, when I said no United fan, I mean no United fan apart from people that go to aways and, like, get to spend four days on a train going to Astana and, you know, all of that. There's there's kind of some interest and excitement for, for the people going to new places and doing new stuff. But that is a tiny minority of United fans, of course, um, given the, uh, given all the barriers to entry to doing that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was really gutting. And, and I almost, at the end of the game, I had to kind of mentally like carve out the two things and separate them out and talk about, the impact of the fact that, you know, this game didn't go like we wanted it to, but also just, um, it's not like suddenly all the good work's been undone. It's oh, not, no, not it's, at all. No. Not at all. And, 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 you know, we'll, we'll have a little break and then we'll talk about Palace and this is a massive, massive game and not one, I have to say that I think we can afford to take lightly. And I think lots of people, well, we're in an unbelievably fortunate position that it's still in our hands, but, I mean, we haven't we haven't even mentioned this. Nobody listening to this needs us to tell them because everybody knew this was the case. I'm sure that's choosing to listen to this, but because Chelsea and Leicester had both lost, we literally would have just walked into third place if we hadn't. And and I think I think 
that was one of the reasons why so many of us were expecting this not to go well when when we played we started the game really terribly and they scored that was like confirmation oh yep here it goes but actually it wasn't that it wasn't that story of us just completely blowing it and you know bricking it because they they come they you know it did get back into it and did perform to the best of themselves for a, for a period of time in that game and show their skills and talents and express themselves when it really counted um it's just they weren't able to do that for long enough and and also Southampton were very good at their jobs you know Southampton did a a really good job they're clearly a very well coached team and and mentally mentally I was very impressed with them not doing the thing that you know every team that we've done this to so far has capitulated once we really turned on put our foot on the gas um and they they really didn't so you know that's... sure yeah and all all of that is fair it's just the impact of moving from third to fifth with an only fifth minute goal it's awful is 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 pretty awful and and it's going to have some knock on effects which are going to be hard to manage anyway let's take a break and we'll come and talk about trying to manage that in the game against palace on thursday if you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. So before we get to the Palace game, um, the Athletic ran a story, I mean, a, a news organisation ran a story <laughs> um, saying... Um, a former news organisation, yeah, formerly yeah. friends of this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, ran a story saying... Um, that uh, the it's very likely that the football will continue behind closed doors, but the new broadcasting model will not continue. Now, that is an absolute joke if that happens. If there are Premier League matches behind closed doors that nobody can watch, I mean, that is a... That is a, a shame, shame on the broadcasters, <laughs> shame on the football. Yeah, I, yeah, no, no, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, I wonder whether they might not be pressured into changing that a little bit. So they, they, they have allowed for all football to be shown um, as a kind of gift to the broadcasters uh, in their negotiation over what the rebate would be. Basically, right, and this is only for domestic broadcasters because overseas it's very common, for, apart from the States, basically, to be able to watch every single game, right? The BN Sports Network or Dazzan, who have it in several countries, show every single game. You can watch what you want and there's a library of replays and all of that. And the coverage is much better. It's much like Premflix that we've talked about quite a bit in the in the past, right? So um, I think a lot of people thought that, ah, maybe this is the start uh, but they, the Premier League are still sort of bought into this idea that um, exclusivity and supply restraint keeps the price up in some way, um, and they want to control their packages. Uh, I think it's unnecessarily unnecessary, out of date, and especially in a situation where we won't have full crowds for, potentially for another six months. Um, it seems quite short-sighted. And what it's going to do is drive everyone to illegal streams, obviously. I mean, mm. that happens anyway. Um, so the the package that you're buying, if you hadn't suspended your Sky Sports or if you've got back to Sky Sports or BT or whatever combination you're, you're purchasing it from, uh, many of them are given discounts in order to encourage people to come back. Everyone's just going to suspend their... I mean, if you're not... If you're getting not the... You can't go to games... And you're not getting a full complement of fixtures during this kind of weird time. And the quality of the product is very different. No crowds, atmosphere is not the same, all of that kind of stuff. And the fake crowds are horrible. 
Um, I don't know. I think we might see a dip in Sky Sports subscriptions and and we're going into the negotiation for the 21-22 onwards, that three-year cycle. Might see quite a, quite a large dip in the, the broadcasting, um, the bidding, especially in the UK. Overseas we'll see because it's more dispersed. But uh, I wonder whether the Premier League as a whole is being a bit short-sighted here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. I mean, I saw a tweet, I don't know who it was from, that was saying, uh, you know, they're, they're making a big effort to shut down illegal streams. And they said, in the music industry, the content industry, um, instead of, they realise they can't shut it down. What you need to do is give people a way to pay for the things that they like about piracy. And Oh my God, we've known this for so long. Yeah. You know, one of the earliest projects I worked on coming out of university was a... Um, uh, Trying to wonder, wonder whether I've still got an NDA here, but um, <laughs> um, um, was a music service, not streaming, download service. So it's ninety nine or so from one of the big record labels, uh, who who saw that this was the future, saw what was happening with Napster and LimeWire and others, and thought, yeah, we're going to put our catalogue online and and sell it. Um, and they had a DRM solution with Microsoft at the time, and they bricked it, 11th hour. The, the website was built, everything was built, and they pulled it right at the last moment because um, of this worry about, um, oh, people are going to get these and they're going to pirate them and stuff like that, right? And, and we learned very quickly after that that by unbundling the product and offering it in a way that unbundling it as iTunes did or rebundling it as Netflix does and offering it in a very convenient, easy way increases your revenue, right? So the unit per unit price, sorry, I'm getting all tech strategy here, per unit price might fall. So the amount that the Premier League gets per game shown might fall, but the number of games grows and your audience grows because you make it easier. I mean, they've gone down this segmented route, but honestly, I think they'd make 10 times as much money if Premier League happened. And I just think it's the the comfort and the guarantee of what you get from the broadcasters that is sucking them into doing this when there's probably a bigger opportunity here. And and we know this is only a matter of time. It's literally it's only a matter of time because you cannot see the entire content industry in all fields of mass media go to a model that's working for them and go, no, 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 we like the old one. You know, it's um, especially for right holders. So in the music industry, um, what what happened is at the back end, the the IP holders, the big record labels, and there are really only four that control sort of 90 percent of the world's music catalogue. Their, their profits dipped as the revenue of the industry halved, but then our profits are growing massively, right? And the retail front end changed. So it once was HMV and Virgin Records and whatever, and now it's Spotify and Tidal and Apple Music. It's not um, Tidal, Ed. It's only Tidal for you. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not even... I, I ditched Tidal. Oh, there there are better HD music services out there. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, sorry, Jay, <laughs> my buddy. Um, he's got he's got a hundred problems now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's lost his only subscriber. Uh, anyway, um, so the the back end, the the IP holders do great out of this, you know, unbundling, rebundling, digitization process. Their front end Spotify is struggling, right? They seventy five percent of their revenues go straight out in in licensing. This is what is going to happen to the Premier League, right? They own the rights to this product that everyone around the world wants. 
you know, they are constraining the demand by restricting the supply. And, I, you know, I would, anyway, it's a very long conversation. <laughs> we were supposed to be talking about Palace. Um, but I think it will drive people to streams. And it's really bloody easy. It's yeah. super easy. There's there's no friction here whatsoever to, to getting an illegal stream. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, anyway, we've got a game, the Palace which game. will be shown on TV. So Palace's results have not been good, but I've seen a lot of them. Uh, since the restart and they have looked good almost all the time like um they've lost five games in a row (laughs) yeah no but but you look at that and you hadn't watched them play and you'd think oh this will be fine we'll just roll up and do them i i think if i'm sure united won't have that attitude but they they have some i mean in wolf sahar in particular they've got some serious i did hear i don't know who it was might have been genus but i've had a bit of a go at Genus a few times, so I don't want to ascribe this unfairly to anyone. But they were saying like, oh, you'd think that a team with Zaha, Benteke and Andros Townsend would not have problems scoring goals. Like, Andros Townsend has never scored more than about four or five league goals in a season ever. And Benteke, when did he last actually score a goal, let exactly. alone four or five? Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Benteke hasn't been prolific for since he got a big injury five years ago or something. I mean, it's a really long time. So anyway, um, th- they do have problems scoring goals, but they are also a threat. I mean, that game when they when I think Chelsea beat them 3-2, they were counter-punching Chelsea the whole way through that game. And I think they've got the kind of attack that could potentially... Uh, challenge the areas of weakness that we have in our, our side, like you know, pacey wingers, overlapping fullbacks. Like this is this is not necessarily. I mean, obviously, United are very defensively strong on the right hand side, but the, but structurally, I'm I'm not sure we're great against that kind of attack. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they they they're not going to press. They they're not good at that. It's um it's quite an old side, and I mean it's it's one of the oldest average age first 11s in the the Premier League. Hodgson went down this route of having. Um, sort of experienced players up front. You're right. Zaha, IU offers some pace. Um, Van Arnholt on the left hand side offers quite a lot of penetration. Um, so they do. Andrus Townsend doesn't <laughs> one assist all season, um, but uh, one goal, one assist. I'm really, I'm really sorry, everyone, for how we've guaranteed the Andrus Townsend screamer the one a year <laughs> happens against us. But listen, he's just going to swing with his left foot and he's going to go in from forty yards. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so look, in th- it's theoretical though. So you know, Zaha. He's so inconsistent, even though he's he's got more consistent and and uh, more effective as he's got older. He is he looks good. He takes a lot of take ons, but he's an end product. There's nothing there. There's you know it's just it's he's ranked sort of in the middle of the Premier League for forwards in terms of his his actual product. Um, so. Uh, it's theoretical. All of it is theoretical. But then again, we knew the theory was Southampton and weren't able to cope with that. I don't I don't think if United moves the ball quickly, I don't think Palace would be able to cope with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and imposing our game on them is important. Now, the challenge is, can we play the same team again? Well, Chelsea on Sunday in the FA Cup semi-final. That's a really big game, the Cup semi-final, because it's a chance of a trophy. Yeah, but I think there's no doubt this game would be prioritised over that game by a mile. Like, Romero's going to play in goal in the FA Cup semi-final and 
I mean, we might see a much closer, to, well, we will see a much closer to full strength side than we saw in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, but I don't think it's going to be, I think there'll be four changes. I think McTominay will play in that game. I think, I bet you, I bet you, I don't know this, but my guess is Ali behind the scenes has been saying to all the players that are not playing, not all of them, but you know, the, the ones that he cares about that are not playing, look, FA Cup semi-final, I need you ready. Doing the old Fergie trick, you know, because that he is trying to be a tribute act. Um and and that's, you know, I I would I would seriously guess that that's been happening. So I think this will be No, no, no. I mean I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt. Um, no, no. I was, I was just gonna say, Fergie, I'm sorry, but the mask <laughs> goes over the mouth and the nose, not just the mouth. Doesn't work otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first shot of him, he was doing both. So I was but like, But he was oh. getting in the way of his glasses. It's very hard to wear glasses and a, and a mask. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but the, uh, the anyway, the, I think, so I think this will be, I think this might just be the same starting level and assuming we can find a left back because Luke Shaw, that looked a bit nasty. So actually probably won't he, be He's Luke definitely Shaw. out. And and the, the question is, how bad was that head, in, head injury for Brandon Williams? I mean, it's obviously a bad cut. It looked like he's going to need stitches. That's fine. You know, put a bandage around his head and he'll be okay as long as he didn't have any concussion symptoms. And then yeah. he's definitely out if he has. And then we're on to Dallo at left. Left back, he hasn't been in the the squad for the last eight matches, so no mm. idea if he's actually fit. Well, he played and against Norwich. He played Norwich in the cup, yeah. yeah. So hopefully he's fit, but he's not been. He's not had many minutes, uh, and beyond that, you've got what, what, what? Go to a back three, or recall Ashley Young. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where we. I mean, got I to. don't. It's Ethan Laird training with the squad. He could he could play there. I mean, he can. Um, he's right-footed, but he can certainly do it. Anyway, I, I guess, you know, touch wood, Brandon Williams can play because that, that's the obvious choice there. And then, I mean, I definitely drop Matic. I, I just, he needs it. He needs it. Scott McTominay, um, it's, uh, you know, United will have a lot of possession in this game, but it's not as if McTominay's passing is so dire that he no, wouldn't... Um, he, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think that's a very sensible one. And then the question is, does both Pogba and Fernandes play? Because they both looked a bit leggy. They did. I mean, Pogba only played an hour, didn't he? And then, so he had that... He's got an extra half an hour's rest there. Uh, Fernandes played till 75 or something. I mean, I, I kind of just briefly touched on it. I thought I thought he had an out and out stinker in that game. I mean, I don't know whether that's the common consensus or not. I I didn't consume any football media at all after that game. It's one of those games where as soon as that ninety fifth minute goes in, I was I was doing the washing up afterwards. So I was just firing up a podcast. And I was looking at what podcasts were ready and just like, nope, delete that one, delete that one, delete that one. No football media, not interested. Don't want to hear any previews of this game. I don't want to hear any chat about it. Fair play to you if you've listened to this. I could not have listened to this this week um but yeah anyway I, I thought Fernandez had a stinker but I, I mean I don't expect that will be the norm and and I think you want them both in the side because because of just how how vital it is to to unlocking a team that will probably sit deep and defend and all those kinds of things I mean you you could you might not need them both because it's not like um you know if you play Fred and Pogba or Fred and and Fernandez and you've got Greenwood Rashford and Martial up front um, I wonder whether you rest any of the front three. 
Oh, do you... Yeah, there's an opportunity. I mean, Greenwood didn't have a great game. I don't I don't think he's played so many minutes that he's going to be knackered, but no, he's no. young. Uh, Dan James is an option, obviously much less of a goal threat. Uh, he's really the only option, unless you, Igalo, Martial drops out and Igalo comes in, which is an option again, but they've tended to want to use him as a, I was going to say impact sub, as a sub. <laughs> Um, no, he's got a lot of goals. He has yeah. got a lot of goals for United. And he's done that job perfectly, but he doesn't. Really, he's not going to change the game for United no. as a sub. And and mostly, I think he scored goals in games he started. So I think he he's scored. If I remember correctly, the the, the data uh, he's he scored a lot of goals in in games that he started in the cup competitions. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder whether he might even start in the semi final. Um, I, I would be a little surprised, but. Um, I guess it's. Oh, I, what I hate for us to just give that game up. Yeah. It's, a, it's a trophy, you know, it's important. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, agree. I mean, the, the Europa League may end up being more important, even though we hate it <laughs> as a tournament, because it, United are three games away from a qualification from the Champions League um, and with a very favourable quarter final draw, which we haven't talked about. Um, so, you know, probably a spot in the semi finals. Let's just make that assumption playing probably Sevilla or Wolves, both two decent, good sides, and we've had trouble against Wolves, but winnable, right? So, and then it's Inter on the other side, who are obviously the, the strongest team left, and um, Leverkusen, who are having a mixed bag of a season in, in the Bundesliga. Um, so anyway, yeah, trophies are important. So I, I, Ollie will look at the science. He'll look at how fit people are. I hope so. Um, and he'll see what they're looking like in training this week. And then he'll pick the same 11 <laughs> because that's what he does. <laughs> um, we heard this week that he'd uh, got Patrice Evra to give him Cristiano Ronaldo's phone number. Um, well, my guess is that he got Patrice ever to give Cristiano Ronaldo his phone number because I don't think Ronnie's giving his phone number out to anyone um, and uh, and spoke to him about Bruno ahead of the game. Um, I made a little slight dig in in our WhatsApp group saying, oh, we've got all the best data. We've got so much data. We, we do data analysis. Uh, anyone got Ronnie's phone number? I'm just going to ask him. But actually, I think it's genuinely a good thing to to do some of the personal stuff. I think that's vital, actually. Yes, I mean, there was a lot of talk about when... Uh, so this this conversation happened before United signed Bruno. I yeah. think that was the... Yeah. Um, so uh, it was always said that Fergie checked on potential signings for their character as well as their football ability. You know, he used his own personal network um, to do that. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, having a network of alumni out there who can tell you if anyone's good or not, it's, it's useful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, it definitely is. You know, it, it's about the quality of the recommendation, of course. You know, do you... And can anyone tell us if Sancho's any good? You know, I've looked at his stats and he looks like he's an absolute worldie. But, um, you know, may, may, maybe Marcus can tell us what he's like in training for England. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, Brill. So, uh, I mean, I'm nervous about the Palace game, but I do, I, I do think... I mean, it's a beautiful test, isn't it? It's a beautiful test. This is really a test of character as well at this point. What is the collective character of this team? And my suspicion is that they've got it in their locker to properly bounce back and to be really professional and 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 that, that Solskjaer has lightened the shirt sufficiently that they can express themselves even when they feel like they're under pressure. That's my, that's, that's my hunch. I mean, we'll see. I, I hope so. I mean, Palace were woeful against Villa. That that wasn't the one they were close in. They gave a good account against uh, Chelsea. Yeah, the, the, um, and, 
and and so you know you you you're playing a side there's nothing to play for they're beaten the manager's on his way out they're a bit old they're looking at the beach all of the three days of summer that they'll get off uh, and uh, you know it's all set up for united and i think tactically it's pretty good for united as well so um and you're right it's the mental side of things uh, can they get themselves right after that huge disappointment on thursday thursday monday monday can't even remember what day we're on um, and and hopefully yes. I mean Bruno Bruno is a strong character. Harry Maguire, who we didn't talk about him, had a very bad game. I mean Ollie from the sidelines going Harry Harry, fucking sort it out every fucking time every fucking time. I thought was quite amusing. <laughs> um, yes, don't pass it into midfield when you're getting impressed, Harry. Uh, anyway, so there's, there are strong characters. It's better than it has been in the last few seasons. Uh, and hopefully they can turn this around mentally, physically, because it's an absolute must-win. Yeah. This, it's must-win. Oh, yeah. I talked about the high stakes of of what it means. You know, for for them personally, it's it's career progression, it's status, it's money. They will lose twenty five percent of their salary if they're not in the Champions League. Yeah, or the absolutely. other way around, they'll gain an extra twenty five percent if they get back into it. Um, it's everything they wanted in their careers, so I hope there's no lack of motivation or desire here. I'm sure there won't be. There wasn't. There wasn't any in the Southampton game. There hasn't been any since they've come back from lockdown. There hasn't been any since Burnley. Um, maybe that one Everton game, but generally speaking, you know, it's yeah. Anyway, all right. So I'm predicting a win. I, I, I'm frightened, but but. I recognise that the fear is uh, is residual and is a you know the fear is just amygdala hijack essentially um, that this is yeah I, I think we're going to win this game and I think we might even win it quite comfortably but I'll go with a two nil a two nil win. All right, I, I'm going to go back to three goal margin FC. Okay, <laughs> comfortable win. Hopefully, Touchwood. Here is here is hoping. Um, I'm and- hoping it's so comfortable we can take off all the tired players after an hour yeah or 45 minutes <laughs> that would be oh my god being four nil up after 45 minutes would be so convenient in this game so um patreon backers stay tuned because we have got an uh, entire world a week's of football, worth of football yes. yeah um, i'm really looking forward to talking about some of this and uh everyone else um we will see you uh after the chelsea game we'll get the show after the palace game sorry before the chelsea game we'll get the show out in between the two so we can do a bit of a preview uh, of the fa cup semi-final give that the kind of build-up it, it deserves for Great. romero and dallo and agalo to start <laughs> um, all right uh see you soon or stay tuned